Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, we begin this morning with some breaking news. Uh You better grab on to something. I'm holding on. Fasten yourself. CBS's Catherine Herridge reporting. Good morning, Tony. These House Republican investigations are coming, and that could be a challenge for the White House as we head into 2023 and 2024. The laptop data we had analyzed showed no evidence it was faked or tampered with. Digital forensic investigator Mark Lanterman was previously a member of a Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force. There was one thing that got my attention, and that was a voicemail. It's dad. I called to tell you I love you. I love you more than the whole world, pal. Can I get some help? That voicemail, apparently from Joe Biden during his son Hunter's drug addiction, is one of many findings Lanterman used to authenticate what is believed to be Hunter Biden's laptop data. You're confident, based on your analysis, this is Hunter Biden's data and that it's real? Yes. CBS News is reporting the Hunter Biden laptop is real. It only took two years. Congratulations. It's real. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I watched the whole thing and I kept they kept like going back to we had it authenticated. Then we went to Minnesota and then we had it authenticated again and again. Like, like, get over that part and just get to what's on the laptop. Uh, we already know what's on I the know laptop. I know we know. <laughs> you know, people who listen to the show, but I isn't that so pathetic that it took them two years to finally have the courage to do the story, to bring the American people the truth. You know what's uh, sad about it is Catherine Harridge, when she was uh, an international affairs reporter for Fox, was, a, was a great reporter. We had her on many times. Uh, and But you go to one of these propaganda outfits and you become a clown. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed for Catherine Harridge, who's a good reporter, for having to do that ridiculous story. Really? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us at 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. She's probably CBS, been pushing for two years to do this. CBS is now prepared to call Arizona for Joe Biden. <laughs> the 2020 election is over. CBS is now prepared to announce that soil and green is people. Oh, I, I mean, hate, hate people. It's just, honestly, how can anyone take these affiliates, these uh, networks and their affiliates seriously? But see, I... I I applaud them. For, I mean, at least they're doing. Has ABC come forward? At NBC doing, done something? Yes. At, well, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what they report now. The New York Times. When did the New York Times authenticate the laptop? Eight months after the New York Post did, and now that's another eight months. And CBS is prepared to authenticate it. Well, what are we talking about? 
Uh, I They're know. a joke. <laughs> they they hold they, stories yeah, they hold that they don't want to report until they're safe to report. And this is the point that uh, George uh, Washington law professor Jonathan Turley made on Hannity last night as this investigation unfolds. The, this, this, the Houdini uh, metaphor Turley offers is perfect. What's really disturbing about the Hunter Biden matter is that this was similar to what we saw with uh, when Houdini made his elephant Jenny disappear every night on the stage. Well, she really didn't disappear. She never lost, left the stage. But Houdini knew that the audience wanted her to disappear. And the Bidens have been brilliant in, the, in handling this scandal. They knew the media wanted this scandal to disappear. And they gave them room for that illusion. Now they're running out of, of time and they're running out of space because the House is going to launch this investigation. And I think that what we're going to see is going to be disturbing. You know, the fact is that the president has been contradicted repeatedly. It does appear that his repeated denials that he never spoke to his son about his business deals is false. I mean, we have an actual recording of him calling his son to say that he wanted to talk to him about the media investigation into his business deals. We have an individual who had said under oath that he met twice with Joe Biden to talk about the foreign dealings uh, with his son and his family. So at a minimum, what we have is the appearance of a multi-million dollar influence peddling scheme involving the Biden family, but also the president of the United States. And yet Merrick Garland has refused to appoint a special counsel. I don't question the appointment of a special counsel uh, on the Trump issue. He is a presidential candidate. That's within the strike zone. One can defend that. But you can't defend it if you're not appointing a special counsel, in my view, in the Hunter Biden matter. That involves the sitting president of the United States. Uh, You know, it, it is perfect to suggest that they just sit on things that they don't want to confront until they're compelled to confront them. And now, as we actually said when the New York Times came out with the story authenticating what the New York Post had reported eight months earlier, Actually, more than that, almost like more. I've got my years mixed up. It was more like a year and a half after the New York Post, the New York Times authenticated. But what did we say at the time? Oh, time to get rid of Biden. The New York Times is is signaling the 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 D.C. press corps decided time for Biden to go, because by that time his administration was in free fall when the New York Times reported on it. Now that we're past the midterms and uh and the House has control. And, and they know a, they know a hearing's coming. They know right it. now. It's and 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 it was always going to be this way, even with the with the Democrats exceeding expectations uh, on November eighth. Okay, you got to go. We got to, especially if Trump is not going to be the nominee. And I'm not saying he won't be, but that's more in jeopardy. That's more in doubt than it's ever been. So if Trump is not going to be the nominee then we don't want you going up against DeSantis or some other new generation Republican with Trump's policies. We want we, we need to get somebody that is telegenic and and cogent on the stage and on the campaign trail. We need a Gavin Newsom or somebody new. We can't go with you and 
2024, and they know that. So now it's okay for CBS News, especially since they're back on Twitter, to oh, exactly. uh, to to authenticate the la- authenticate the laptop. How absurd! Well, even President Trump. Remember when Leslie Stahl interviewed him a few years ago, and he mentioned about the Hunter Biden laptop, and they they laughed at him. It's this, I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen, and you don't cover it. Because you want to talk about... Well, because it can't be verified. You want to talk about insignificant things. I'm telling you... Of course it can be verified. Excuse we, me, we they found the laptop. Leslie, Leslie. It can't be verified. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Because Even the family hasn't... The family on the laptop, he's gone into hiding. For five days, he's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare? I doubt it. Okay. That is a gem. Yeah, that is. That is such a gem, and people should never forget that. That is. That's an instant classic. classic. Sixty minutes couldn't verify because they didn't want to try to. Sixty minutes. They have more investigative journalists and 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 just forensics teams on staff than any other news program. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but you heard it. You heard Leslie Stahl's answer. I heard heard grandma talk. Grandma journalism. You heard Leslie Stahl's answer. It can't be verified because we don't it can't. want it to be verified. It can't be verified because it can't. Uh-huh. It, and what she's really saying is, this is not a story that we're interested in tackling. We're going to dismiss this. Um, hopefully, it goes away, or it certainly goes away. So, if we are compelled to address it, it's on our timeline, not the people's. And then years later, they come out with this big explosive Catherine Herridge report. Bob Buffalo Grove. Good morning, Amy and Dan. Uh, you stole my talking point. Leslie Stahl probably should be fired for yep. altering the election. Withholding that and uh, what she uh, broadcast and cut that uh, interview short discussing the laptop just shows the sad state of journalism. And I wish uh, some reporter, somebody could get to her and confront her on what she did. I mean, it's just phenomenal how she cut off Trump on that topic. Thanks for the call, Bob. Bob. Well, they helped muddy the waters with the special prosecutor being appointed in the Trump investigation and the possible and possible charges forthcoming against the former president. So that directs attention away from Biden, Inc. And the only interesting thing about this is now that they're moving on from Biden and it'll be a process, but that's what they're doing. What you know, they're they're already done with this, you see. And the question for them is, what's next? What's our next play? Right. Because that's how they think. They're not thinking, gee, what will happen next? It's what will we make happen next? Right. What are we going to control? The little chess makers. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Sports. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. 
So I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Politics and sports and politics and sports and politics and intersection. Arrogance and ignorance. Arrogance, ignorance, and arrogance and ignorance. Intersection. Springfield. It's all here. Fast kicking, low scoring, and ties. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> You'll see all your favorite soccer stars, like Ariaga, Ariaga 2, Bariaga, Aruglia, and Pizza. This match will determine once and for all which nation is the greatest on earth, Mexico or Portugal. That was the uh, some of the highlights from the last World Cup that was hosted by Springfield, I believe. Um, you know, we don't. it's too early in this World Cup, as I understand it, actually. I have no idea. Uh, for highlights, but you know, just to give you a sense of the excitement <laughs> that's attendant to the World Cup. Halfback passes to the center, back to the wing, back to the center. Center holds it, holds it, holds it. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's such a fast-paced game. Uh, if you're John Cass, if you're listening, feel free to call in, try to defend soccer, but. That's not the controversy. It's established that soccer is a calisthenic and not a sport, and that uh, nobody who's a true sportsman oh. would be interested in the this bars, event. The bars were packed. People were falling out of bars yesterday in Chicago. There are many people in this, this world that have no taste. Okay. I, I, this is not news. Uh, and it but, was a tie with but, Wales. So exciting. The uh, w- What was a tie? The game yesterday. Well, of course. Every game's a tie. <laughs> zero, zero. <laughs> Uh, the World Cup is embroiled in controversy. FIFA, embroiled in controversy, not because of their customary corruption, no, no, but because of the host country for this uh, event, Qatar, and because of the laws in Qatar, like, for example, homosexuality is illegal and it's an yep. imprisonable offense. And so I don't even understand how the Western world is there. Can somebody please help me? Because I understood when uh, Georgia passed laws that disenfranchised black voters, despite record trade, right. uh, mm-hmm. that, but that was the line. The Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game from Atlanta. When, oh, when, North, right. Ca- when North Carolina uh, moved legislation to say, no, men can't go to the bathroom with girls— Right. Uh, Bruce Springsteen and the NCAA were all going to boycott North Carolina. So how is it that the United States and and all of these other uh, Western nations led by, you know, the identitarian class, how is it that they're even allowing teams to participate? Why why are we taking a stand? Where, where is the, the Soviet, I mean, you know, um, the American-style boycott of the Soviets and or the Soviet-style boycott of the America, uh, of the Olympics to send a message to the West and to America? Where, where is that? How, how are they there? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us on our text line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. 
I know, and I, you know, I get a U.S. journalist was detained because he wore a rainbow shirt. He tried to enter the World Cup stadium. Grant uh, Wall. Yeah, but Grant he, Wall. He, you know, he's he, former Sports Illustrated journalist, you know, owns his own website. But you know what pisses me off? Because I lived in a foreign country. And guess what, folks? When you live in a foreign country, your rights as an American citizen are gone. Yes, you have the State Department if you need something, because that's their job to protect Americans around the world. But too bad, like, we're not going to go in there and change their morals and their values. So stop with the nonsense and follow the rules of the country that you're in. I don't care. Good. Detain him again. Try to wear a rainbow shirt again. Stop him. You know, don't let him in. What? Well, I, I don't even well, know why they tried to be there is, in the first is place. Grant, is Grant Wall an ugly American because he wore some pro LGBTQ plus T-shirt? I just, I don't like any, I, I just, I don't, he's, you know, trying to be self-serving. Like, look at me. I'm standing up for lesbians and this, this country should change their values. Well, they're not going to. Okay, and the way they fought back was they yanked that $77 million Budweiser deal and said, no, guess what? You're not drinking while you're watching the game. Instead, they're selling non-alcohol beer. Which is the only way you can even get through a soccer match uh, (laughs) is to be inebriated. I presume this is why all these fights break out. People are so bored to tears. But um, but I I, I, I still, I, I need help with the answer. Why is the world not boycotting the hate and intolerance of Qatar? You would do it if it was, oh, I don't know, uh, the state of Indiana passing a, uh, a protection of traditional marriage measure. You would do it. Gavin Newsom in California has bans on the state, the athletes from state schools to travel to all sorts of other states, depending on what their laws are in a range of topics. If you if you if you're not uh, down with, you know, banning uh, combustion powered engines in automobiles by 2035 then you know ucla is going to have to finance their own they're going to have to finance the athletes attendance to play a sporting event in your state i mean all of this stuff so why does it not apply to cutter why does it not apply to the world cup it applies to everything else why three one two six four two five six zero zero tell me why i don't know because it's, it's, it's the biggest, it's the grand, it's bigger than the Super Bowl, it's more watched than the Super Bowl. I don't know why we're letting them walk all over us. I don't know. They should this be ashamed should... of themselves. I mean, first they tried to put, you know, an armband on, and then, again, FIFA said no to the U.S. and 10 other countries. Like, you know, just wear the uniform. Where is Ilhan Omar oh, to yeah. be our ambassador to the Muslim world? Rashida Tlaib and the rest of the socialist Spice Girls, for that matter. I don't understand how there's so much silence here. Uh, one reporter wearing a, a rainbow T-shirt or the U.S. men's team. Is there a difference? Uh, putting some putting some, uh, you know, Indicia logo on their uniforms in support of LGBTQ plus rights. Is that enough? That's not enough. I mean, it wouldn't have been enough for, I don't know, Major League Baseball players to put a uh, some sort of, you know, Black Lives Matter logo on their uniforms. That that wasn't nobody proposed that to keep the All Star Game in Atlanta. How how do you how do you get away with a logo, or a one a one off reporter offering some sort of self you know performative protestation? How does that work when it's the cutter in the World Cup? When it doesn't work in this country or anywhere else in the West.
I mean, in 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 countries in the West that don't have our First Amendment protections, even uttering the phrase homosexuality uh, should be illegal, which is the actual law. That would that could potentially have you up on hate crime charges. Oh my God! I, I remember when you use the wrong pronoun in Canada, right. and you can be prosecuted for a hate crime. How is can I mean I don't know I assume Canada is participating I have no idea how how are they there I don't get it how isn't how is the world the global community not coming together to isolate Cutter say you are not part of the community of nations I mean we're so woke remember this is crazy remember back in 2010 when Highland Park girls basketball team refused to travel to Arizona because of their the state's immigration law. We turned on Arizona many times where we didn't have tournaments and yanked out. Right. And now we, we, we stay in Qatar? So where's the exemption? I don't understand the exemption for Qatar. I'm, I'm not seeing the hand-wringing op-eds in all the major dailies, all the leftist rags. Why are we there? We should be boycotting. We need to export our values to these Islamist theocracies and so on and so forth. Where is that? I don't understand. Where, where, where is are, where, sure. where is the, the, uh, the organization of uh, Hinsdalians, the, oh, yes. the Hinsdale League of Women Voters to go on a pilgrimage to Qatar with their hate has no home here signs and stand outside the stadium protesting. Where are they? Where is everybody? I mean, if there's ever a time to act, Dan, it is now. And they're not doing it. I just I, I just want to know where everybody is. I mean, it's not like uh, I support Cutter's legal regime either. And I also don't support soccer. Um, so I'm not taking an interest in it because, of course, this is no surprise. How could... How could the countries of the, the community of nations, how could they not stand up and say, FIFA, we shall not hold the World Cup in Qatar until they change their ways? Until they let those seven European countries that want to wear the one love armband uh, around, you know, around their arms, you know, to, to introduce and to support diversity and inclusion. We want to change your, the way you do things in Qatar. Until you let the Budweiser yes. flow, Qatar. <laughs> yes, let them drink. So where is everybody? Because it it's Thanksgiving week? I don't know, Dan. Maybe because they couldn't take a bus there. nothing to do with Thanksgiving there. week. I'm being facetious. Paul and Carrie. You know, I don't know. Maybe perhaps think that, uh, I don't know if this could be it, but perhaps there, we have no uh, stranglehold on the uh, equality redistribution or perhaps the jurisprudence there. Nah, that wouldn't be it. Thanks for the call, Paul. Uh, Carol in moments. Hi, good morning. Uh, you know, Dan, uh, after all, half the guys in Cutter are wearing dresses. Oh, those are oh. fighting words, Carol. Oh, be careful. Those are fighting words. Be careful. Thanks for the call, Carol. Craig Monk-Greenwood. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Thanks for taking the call. Listen, these uh, rotten leftists, they basically uh, they generate and create all these kind of rules and all this kind of stuff, and they impose them and everything, but they, not for them to follow. They rule by exception. So they impose them on so, everybody so, else. So I know, I know, yeah, stop, stop. So I know that. 
So why? Why is Cutter getting an exception? Oh, because they're basically uh, in the. You, you see all the stuff going on with Biden and everything like that. There's got to be all kinds of these like relationships and all this kind of thing with all kinds of rotten people all over the globe and everything. It's it's political. It's something like where our, uh, these leftists are somehow got something going with Cutter or whatever. There's nothing that would surprise me these days when you realize what's been going on with uh, the Biden uh, family in all these different uh, countries. A lot of them are enemies. And got all the stuff going. It's like, yeah. like China. China's our friend with you, Biden. I, I don't think it's financial. Thanks for the call, Craig. It's not financial. You have to tread lightly mm-hmm. because Muslims are part of our Benetton governing coalition. Right? Why is there no coverage of the dads in Dearborn, Michigan standing up to their school board? Uh, because of the the pornography in in the schools, why doesn't anybody cover that? Why does anybody talk about that? I mean, yeah, I'm talking about, of course, the the uh, D.C. press corps and all of their outposts across the country. Because Muslims are part of our solidarity and marginality play, so we need to look past the ugliness of some of our coalition partners. We need to suspend the standards that we say guide us for some of our coalition partners sometimes to keep the coalition together because power politics is our game, not intellectual honesty, much less consistency. What What is Rashid Tlaib or Ilhan Omar going to say? just like a polite disagreement. But if anybody on the center-right opposes the redefinition of marriage and the stripping of people's conscious rights as proposed in legislative form right now, kicking around the halls of power in D.C., then you're some sort of bigot who needs to be ostracized from American civil society. Slightly inconsistent? Slightly hypocritical? Of course. And as Craig said, that's their calling card. That's how it goes because you have to understand what the play is. The play isn't about eliminating hate and all of these other ridiculous abstractions. They traffic in hate. It is using whatever values, whatever leverage how much ever cynicism is required to assemble the people needed to keep and grow power, political power. All roads lead to political power. And yeah, uh, are there going to be uh, some unjust enrichment schemes along the way? Well, sure there are. That's attendant to expanding power. But it's about political power. It's about dominion over others. And you play ball with us, then we'll cover your back and we'll use the same standards that we we won't use the same standards that we apply to political enemies to our friends. That's all. That's all it is. And and you get a sense of how much coordination and I don't think it needs to be organized. I think it's just at this point. 
fellow travelers acting in unison because they're coming from the same place. How much coordination? The media, the, 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 the leadership of the sports world, all the professional leagues, corporate America. Where's corporate America? Where's where's a, a former Disney CEO, Bob Chapek, to write a letter expressing his disappointment and outrage on behalf of employees and so many other corporate CEOs that have covered so many other topics in the West? Where are they when it comes to LGBTQ plus? Where are they when it comes to uh, abortion on demand all nine months, a taxpayer funded? Where are they for standing up for Women and women's rights and equity and so on and so forth. Why aren't they asking uh, how many companies in Qatar have a female CEO? That's true. Any minority-owned companies as well? They're all coming from the same place trying to get to the same place. Vanguard class. Straight-up 21st century neo-Leninism. And you see this on display, for how, I don't know how long the World Cup lasts because who cares? Oh. But you're going to see this on display for the entirety of the World Cup. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm lead into Christmas and perfect illustration of how things work in the West. Forget Cutter. This isn't about Cutter. It's about the West. Tom in Blue Island. Hey, good morning, Dan, Amy. Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Dan. I submit to you that by definition, being a leftist involves a lot of cowardice and and through that cowardice being a bully these leftists know that whatever they want to project upon cutter however exactly you pronounce it they know it's not going to get them any mileage because the people over there will tell them to go take a flying leap and so they know it's a loser and so they leave it alone well yeah thanks for the call tom dan and amy chicago's morning answer before you see it on tv share it on facebook or read about it in the paper Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I want to hear Matt Baker again, this Rastafarian dude. Uh, We played at the end of last hour. Let's play him again to set up our discussion of what's going on, not just in Maricopa County, but in Arizona in general with respect to the outcome 
in the governor's race there now that the Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich has waded into the fight. This is um, Matt Baker, Rastafarian dude, addressing the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Good morning. Once again, the eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here and we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. I love the good day with the ending at the ending there. Yeah, he's a little excited. You know, I tell you, you can drive people to madness listening to these soft handed politicians like this Bill Gates the chairman of the Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County. I mean, please, we stop. It's like he's so excited to have his first real big, big man job. He has posted a series of videos in the last several days. I've watched all of them. Addressing the criticisms of Maricopa County. Remember, they're still counting votes. Yes. Oh, and by the way, today is the last day for counting votes in Illinois. It's Tuesday, November 22nd. Maricopa Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Chairman Bill Gates, that's mm-hmm. that's his real name, who who presents himself as a Republican. He's the sort of Republican the that squishy. leads Republicans to lose counties like Maricopa County or DuPage County. We're very familiar with this kind of Republican. But listen to his patronizing and dismissive attitude, and you can understand why people who have some sense and obviously some love of country like Mr. Matt Baker are a little incensed. Hi, I'm Bill Gates and I'm chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. And I wanna talk to you today about voter suppression. Unfortunately, that phrase has been thrown around in our county since election day. People have claimed that there was voter suppression because we had issues with the printers, which did not reveal themselves when we tested these printers before Election Day. I hate that this happened, and my colleagues and I are committed to figuring out exactly what happened so that it never happens again. But that does not constitute voter suppression. We know what voter suppression looks like in our country. The inconvenience and the lines that people experience were unfortunate, but the fact is, 
every voter had the opportunity to cast a vote on election day. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, mm-hmm. ca- yeah, yeah, Carrie Lake uh, responded with a message to her supporters and the country yesterday. This is what she had to say. Hi, this is Carrie Lake, and I have a message to the people of Arizona and all Americans. Forty days ago, elections in Arizona officially started when mail-in ballots were sent out across our state. Election day was 13 days ago, and Maricopa County is still counting ballots. Printer problems, tabulation errors, three-hour-long lines, and even longer. And confusing instructions given by election officials made this election day the most chaotic in Arizona's history. Half of voting centers that opened for the first time on Election Day, where the overwhelming majority of voters were voting for Kerry Lake, were not operational or had significant failures. Would you get on an airplane if half of the engines didn't work? Would our friends in the media be able to broadcast their nightly propaganda if only half of their studio equipment was working? The 2022 general election in Arizona was botched and broken beyond repair. Thankfully, the Attorney General's office is demanding answers from Maricopa County. Attorney General Mark Brnovich is taking the first steps necessary to remedy this assault on our democracy. This isn't about Republicans or Democrats. This is about our sacred right to vote, a right that many voters were sadly deprived of on November 8th. Tens of thousands of you have reached out, pleading with me to fight this fight. Rest assured, I will, because if we give up now, we will no longer have a country. Attorneys are working diligently to gather information. Whistleblowers are coming forward, and the curtain is being lifted. Whether done accidentally or intentionally, it is clear that this election was a debacle that destroyed any trust in our elections. Arizonans who choose to make their voice heard on election day should not be disenfranchised or punished for choosing to vote in person. Yet they were. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Why should we care about the outcome in the Arizona governor's race? Oh, my God. I'm still sick about the outcome. Why, why should we care? <laughs> well, first of all, Katie Hobbs, who is the Secretary of State, is in charge of that election that she somehow won. And they've had four botched elections in a row. Why so should we she, care in Illinois? Because if it happens in Arizona, it could happen in Illinois. That's how I think. You know, if there's one unfair election, it could affect the whole country. And in mm. this case, it has. Uh, Mark Burnovich is the Attorney General there, as I mentioned. And uh, importantly... Bernovich is not some, you know, Trump backer like Kerry Lake is. Bernovich ran in the Republican primary for Senate and lost to Blake Masters, who Trump endorsed in the primary, as we all know. But just a reminder there, Bernovich over the weekend sent a letter to Maricopa County. The Elections Integrity Unit of the Arizona Attorney General's Office has received hundreds of complaints since Election Day pertaining issues related to the administration of the general election in Maricopa County. These complaints go beyond pure speculation, but include firsthand witness accounts that raise concerns regarding Maricopa's lawful compliance with Arizona election law. He goes on to say that uh, that information that's actually come from Maricopa County itself appear to confirm potential statutory violations of Title 16 of their code. 
According to Maricopa County, at least 60, 60 voting locations had issues related to some ballot-on-demand printers having printer configuration settings that were non-uniform, which appeared right. to have resulted in ballots that were unable to be read by on-site ballot tabulators, as we've heard. But this is the Attorney General confirming what we've heard, and that's why this is important. Based on sworn complaints submitted by election workers employed by Maricopa County, the BOD printers were tested on Monday, November 7th, without any apparent problems. Many of those election workers report that despite successful testing the night before, the tabulators began experiencing problems reading ballots printed by the ballot-on-demand printers within the first 30 minutes of voting on November 8th. Uh, He goes on to write, Due to the widespread problems in non-uniform printer configuration settings, many voters were unable to tabulate their ballots on Election Day using on-site tabulators. Instead, voters were were instructed to deposit their ballot in door three, According to statements by Maricopa County officials, door three ballots were transported to Maricopa County Tabulation and Center uh, to, to Maricopa County Tabulation and Center to be tabulated. Uh, Maricopa County appears to have failed to adhere to the statutory guidelines. Statutory, the law. Statutory guidelines in segregating, counting, tabulating, tallying, and transporting the "quote unquote" door three ballots. In fact, Maricopa County has admitted that in some voting locations, door three non-tabulated ballots yeah. were commingled with tabulated ballots at the voting location. Well, there you go. Have a redo. Let's have a rematch. And, by the way, this is um, what, what uh, Brnovich is talking about, memorializing in his letter. Uh, Carrie Lake has been memorializing online, just posting videos of Arizona residents, oh, many in Maricopa this. County, yep. telling their story. Here's Sam's voting story. Hi, this is Sam Savastano. I went to the Deer Valley Airport. None of the machines were were reading very well. There was a lot of uh, disruption, I would say, with frustration, with people putting in multiple, multiple, as I was standing there watching, um, you know, some people, you know, after three, four, five, six attempts, it may or may not have taken it. And it was just, it was crazy. Here's another story, a 30-year resident of Maricopa County. Hi, uh, I've been a resident of Arizona for 30 years. I've been a lifelong registered Republican. I voted in every election, primary and regular. I voted on, uh, voted on Tuesday morning uh, at the poll, polling place. Everything seemed to go fine. I go online and the Maricopa County Recorder's Office says, I didn't vote. Mm. Uh, we've tried everything. We've been to the Republican Committee office. We've been here, and we've done the cure, and it doesn't seem like anything's working. It looks very, very, very much like our votes just don't count anymore. I mean, not to sound is, like Tony Pareka, but they have more secure elections in Baghdad yeah, than, is, than Maricopa freaking County. Is that voter suppression, uh, Chairman Yeah, yeah it would be, yes. Is that is that a threat to our democracy when a 30-year resident of Arizona said it looks just like our votes don't count? And he's not talking about this election, just, he's just talking about period. Here's Richard's voting story. My name's Richard Parisic. I voted on Election Day, November 8, 2022, at the Desert Hills Community Church of the Nazarene, which is located on 7th Street, north of the Carefree Highway. My uh, issue is my ballot was rejected after completed. It went through the tabulating machine, and I was told that there was a problem with the printer, that they couldn't accept my ballot. 
So they gave me two options. I could either put my ballot in a, some type of a container and they would count okay, it a little right. bit later, or I could go through the whole procedure, sign in again and vote and fill out a new fresh ballot, which I elected to do because I wanted my vote to count on that day. That's what the way it should be. I shouldn't have to put it in some kind of a cubby hole. It just doesn't seem like uh, there was a lot of uh, planning for this uh, for this voting. I'm very disappointed in that, that this was uh, done in this fashion. There wasn't a lot of planning or there was a lot of planning. It's one of the two. Here's what uh, Bill Gates had to say in one of his videos about the plan B. When we had this issue with the printers on Election Day, we had a plan B, a plan B that's always in place. Our voters could simply place their ballot into a secure location where their votes would be counted later. But unfortunately, we had members of one party who were spreading misinformation, telling people that if they put their ballot in that secure location, it wouldn't be counted at all or it wouldn't be counted for weeks. It's unfortunate that this led to long lines. It didn't have to be this way. Again, this is proven that what we have to do, all of us together, is simply tell our voters the truth. You see why Matt Baker is so upset having to listen to Bill Gates uh, and all those voters, and there are many more stories that have been posted. Many, many They're all wrong. It's their fault. It's Maricopa just... County ran a flawless election to hear Bill Gates tell the story. Or uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Andrea Mitchell. Remember, oh, Maricopa County, that's, you know, we want to emulate Maricopa County when it comes to elections. They have fantastic vote processes in place. I mean, you guys, you you have to, like, my, I have so much family and friends in Arizona. She literally did not do campaign events. She literally would come out of her hole or basement. She was in hiding because she's not that smart, and that's why she didn't get on the debate stage with Carrie Lake. Well, look. And she uh, only talked to different specific reporters, and they whooshed her away. Yeah. Okay. That's secondary. Uh, Pennsylvania elected a turnip and he was a turnip before the stroke. So I'm not even talking about the stroke. So Katie Hobbs could have won the race. That's not that. uh, That's not the point. That's not the that's not the point of this. I know this is this is this is about uh, election administration. It's about competence and integrity and transparency. And you're not getting anything from Maricopa County and why this is important. Well, I'll let the callers decide. Orlando on north on the north side. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hi, hi, Dan. Good morning, Amy. Uh, to me, why it matters to me why Carrie Lake uh, should win is because it'll be an excellent Trump Carrie Lake ticket. And furthermore, uh, if if uh, if Trump picks uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I, I'm kind of not convinced with Tulsi Gabbard too much. And on, as far as the elections are concerned. Um, in my personal opinion, in Illinois, my mom's personal resident, my mom has been renting out her unit for like 35 years. And um, my sister passed away about 10, 10 years ago. She got an election request uh, for uh, election ballot request. My brother-in-law died. He got an election ballot request. Um, and I had three former tenants that haven't lived in my mom's uh, property over 30 years. They all got ballot requests. So if there's not a, if that's not proof that there's election fraud, I don't know what is. Thanks for the call, Orlando. It's certainly proof that uh, the county doesn't clean the voter rolls and it opens up the door to election fraud. Katie Hobbs is going to be on. Oh, sorry. And that's in Cook County and obviously Maricopa County. And it's a problem really nationally. Uh, and Republican Party is not ag- aggressive enough on this. We need to get better on this. Uh, programming, uh, Katie Hobbs is going to be on CNN this morning. I wonder if they're going to ask her about her botched elections. 
not this past one, but the uh, the prior three as well. It, the uh, well, she's in charge. I mean, he, here's the here's the reason why it's important. It's the same reason why the decision that came down from uh, DuPage County Circuit Judge last week is important. Uh, the temporary restraining order on the counting of mail-in ballots in DuPage County because the county officials, DuPage County, not Cook, not Maricopa, DuPage County, because county officials under the stewardship of Republicans like Pat Bond, hardly, were authenticating signatures on the application with signatures on the envelope of the mail-in ballot rather than with the voter registration signature. Oh, that's a so, big deal. Right. And the, as the judge said, that oh, we don't know if fraud was committed, but that opens up the door to fraud, which is why we have this statutory provision in place. Why is it important? Why is what's going on in Maricopa County important in terms of the challenge? Because it not only for the outcome in close races— but the larger issue of, yes, faith in elections, which is important, but also to send a message to election administrators, those who have the charge of setting up, implementing, overseeing elections to make sure they are free and fair. It sends a message that somebody's watching, that somebody's willing to litigate, and you better play by the rules like you better follow the law. That's an important message to send. And it also can be precedent setting. So, for example, in DuPage County, we take assuming the appellate court upholds it, because, of course, DuPage County has appealed the, the lower court judge's order. We take that uh, judgment. Assume and it, we need a declaratory judgment on his interpretation of the relevant language in the statute but we take that and we send a letters out this is what should be done when i say we this is what should be done we send letters out to all 102 county clerks in illinois for example and say just so you're aware this is a decision that was uh, rendered by a dupage county judge on this language in this statute when it comes to verifying, authenticating mail-in ballots, and you better follow this. So you preemptively send that next election cycle. This is as much about next election cycle as it is about the Kerry Lake-Katie Hobbs race that hangs in the balance. And it's the same thing here in DuPage, and it needs to be the same thing across the country. Because uh, these elections, through incompetence or maliciousness, are depressing uh, they would say, if it was them, suppressing the GOP vote. And I know a lot of people talked about it from 2020 to 2022, and there were states that made improvements. And we talked yeah. about this for months leading up to the election. States that made improvements like Georgia. And there weren't really problems in Georgia that were widely reported that I'm aware of, for, for example. And states like Pennsylvania, they still got problems. And states like Arizona, they obviously still got problems. So it's uneven across the country. But in states that, particularly states that are competitive statewide, Republicans better even the playing field by uh, forcing adherence to the law of every state by those election authorities. And that's not happening right now. Frank in Arlington Heights.
Yeah, good morning. Well, obviously it's important because, you know, if we don't have faith in our elections, the legitimacy of our very government is going to be questioned by people. And, you know, you have 3,184 counties and parishes and districts across the country, and there's a lot of different administration of them. And there's always been, ever since the secret ballot, there's always been irregularities and, you know, in some cases, election fraud. I mean, 1948 Senate election in Texas, 1941 Senate election, special election in Texas, 1960, there were big questions. Um, you know, this has to get uh, attacked by um, and, and, and dealt with by, by Republicans. And it's almost like the education of the average American with this stuff. Um, we need to keep fighting this and making sure the county voter rolls are, are cleaned up and make sure that these processes are set up, especially with electronic uh, balloting and with ballot harvesting and all this stuff. We need to, to stay on top of that. The Democrats are very good at this stuff. We've got to get better. And that's I know I've been kind of like a run-on sentence here, but that's one of the reasons why probably Ron Johnson won in Wisconsin, because they were um, cleaning up some of those. Yeah, they got better. Up there. Yeah, yeah, they, they got, got better. better at it. And, you know, it, it's got to be a hit. This is, this is partisan trench warfare across the country in 3,184 counties where we've got to get people on top of this stuff every election cycle like the Democrats do. Otherwise, we're going to wind up getting... Five million more votes than the I think it was five million more votes than the Democrats yeah. overall this cycle. Four, four you know, maybe. Yeah, but but your yeah, point. Yeah, yeah but, your point's well taken, yeah, right? And still and still yeah, and still and still, and still be unable to move the needle, right? Thanks for the call, Frank. Barely move the needle. Candace Mount Pleasant. Hi. As far as I'm concerned, I've been you know Dan and Amy, I've been involved in this stuff for a while. Um, the polling and working on all these elections, they better stop taking these things to vote centers. That is where mm-hmm. GOP votes uh, seem to go to die. And I don't hear a lot of radio people talking about that, but that seems to be factual. You know, these uh, precincts need to get up and running again, and they don't need to be sending their stuff to a vote center where Democrats, public sector union hacks, count everything. And my second point is, is this. Uh, I think it really upsets a lot of Republican volunteers. They just get over it because it's very hard work. Um, it's your time, and nobody gets paid. And then you see these uh, stupid Democrats getting paid like thirty-some dollars an hour to do all this stuff, and it's on my taxpayer money. So when is somebody going to start doing something about that? You thanks know what I mean? For, thanks for the call, Candace. Good points. We'll uh, be addressing them on a rolling basis going yeah. forward. And just so you know, Carrie like was with President Trump at Mar-a-Lago when he made his announcement. And you know what? If she joined his ticket, I might seriously consider that. All right. Big Carrie Lake fan. Go Iowa. Yep. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawks. She's uh-huh. a good person. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I know we're still uh, reeling from the November 8th election, and uh, we're still arguing about uh, outcomes in places like uh, Maricopa County, the state of Arizona generally. I'm sick about it. I'm actually, I think I'm binge eating. I'm so depressed. I mean, I'm actually having bread. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's Just kidding. Serious. Remember Gwyneth Paltrow when she was during COVID? She was so depressed. She said, I'm eating bread. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm binging. I'm sad. I'm, I'm depressed, and I need a break, and I don't know what's going to lift me up out of this. The next thing you're going to be doing is making vagina-scented candles <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> Maybe I, I should go that. light that one up. 
Mm. I got you one for your roast, but then I took it because that's the kind of person I am. Yeah. And that expensed it to the company. But it's really a nice scent. Maybe it'll relax me. <laughs> I can grab some hot cocoa, sit by the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll, I mean, I put up my decorations hoping that would help, but nothing. We live in a horrible state. And then places where you think that there's hope. The Arizona, where you used to live and it was always Republican, is now... Democrat? Well, here's the thing. And more people voted for the Secretary of State than they did for the governor's race. It's just strange. Well, so here's the thing about Maricopa County, and it it has some resonance for the suburbs here. Okay. Uh, Somebody just texted me, did Arizona always have these problems with elections, or is this more a recent phenomenon? And it's it's more of a recent phenomenon. Mm, When I lived there in the 90s, we had problems with our elections. Yeah, I don't remember Arizona being um, such a laggard in reporting. I don't remember Arizona having uh, problems that rose to national prominence. Maybe because it was a deep red state at the time. I don't know, but I don't think so. And I think what you're seeing in Maricopa County, since you're pointing out that Maricopa County's changed, and Maricopa County being the most populous county in Arizona, so that's changed Arizona. What you have, and you hear it in the voice, that smug prick Bill Gates, you hear it in his voice patronizing the uh, residents of Arizona, talking to them like they're preschoolers. You have surrender Republicans that are vestiges of when the Republican Party was dominant and an influx of Democrats. And when you have a combination of soft-handed and soft-headed Republicans— who are just trying to hold on to their little perch while Democrats are incurring and gaining momentum and power, you have the perfect storm of a flip. And now layer in expanding voting in terms of both duration and options. Well, now now you've got the recipe for a problem. And that's what's happened in Maricopa County, and that's what's happened in DuPage County. Very similar. Very similar stories, it seems to me. And so, as I was you know, getting to with respect to the past election that we're still talking about, what about the upcoming elections for school board? It all starts in the schools. Everything good and bad starts in the schools. Primary grades. Right? Right. So, are we going to attach the same importance to local school board races and thus the destiny of the quality of schools at the K through 12 level where you live, you're going to attach the same importance to those elections that you do the midterm elections or a presidential election. And the answer for half of the people who turned out for the midterms is no. Perhaps more than half. You know what the turnout is in these off your, I mean, these uh, spring elections, these local spring elections. If if you thought forty one percent turnout in the midterms is low, wait till you see who turns out for your municipal races come April. Be a, be half that, maybe less. Seems to me that you want to start clawing back political power from the radical left. You start where it's the easiest. You start from positions of strength and you radiate out. Well, where can you have real immediate impact in your community? At the local level, of course. So, you know, and and 
to some extent, even though we trumpet these races and we've every cycle, you know, profile people running for school board and some mayoral candidates uh, around the region. But to some extent, we have not dedicated the time and resources that we should. I certainly feel that way. Right. Uh, because, you know, if you lose the schools, then the other dominoes begin to fall as they have. And, and to me, there's just not enough people paying attention. You know, part of the problem is, of course, you have uh, the, the, the biggest block of voters being 55 plus, And for a huge percentage of that block, they don't pay as much attention to the schools because their kids are out. That doesn't mean they're done paying for the schools. That should get their attention. But it also also should get their attention, the impact on American culture that what's happening in K through 12 has. So you want to you know, restore America's greatness. You want to get America back to foundational principles. You want kids to be prepared at the K through 12 level to be successful in life by learning foundational concepts being proficient in reading and math and science, then you have to get engaged at the school board level. What did we see during COVID, as I've said before? What mattered? Governors and school boards. What led the revolution? I mean, and we'll see how long it lasts, but certainly uh, where Virginia was headed before Glenn Youngkin came to town and the parents in Fairfax and Loudoun counties, mostly left of center, revolted against their school boards. That's what flipped the race for Glenn Youngkin. You can talk all day long about Glenn Youngkin's campaign and this sort of type of candidate. Glenn Youngkin is the governor of Virginia because the parents of Loudoun County and Fairfax County revolted against their school boards and used Terry McAuliffe as the proxy for their anger. And it That's worked. what happened. Yep. And that hasn't happened in places like Illinois. And it's happening in some school districts and not others. It's very uneven, as, of course, it's going to be. But, I mean, you know, maybe if people start to appreciate exactly where we're at with K through 12, maybe if the their incredulity begins to subside. No, they can't actually be reading from that material in class. No, they can't actually be teaching that. No, that book can't actually be in the library. I've it's heard sort of, that so many times. Of course. People. When I'm at press conferences, you know, the sign language guys, they're like, "That's not, no, there's really not CRT going on, is there? I mean, they don't have kids. So I try to walk them through it and just say, oh, yeah, here's this book that that's in, you know, was on the reading list for Barrington High School over the summer. We had to overcome the same incredulity uh, over the last year with respect to the Safety Act. No. Yeah, no, that couldn't happen. Releasing not, criminals. What are you talking about? You, the police can't take a trespasser off my property? No way. No That's way. Somebody who's uh, arrested for kidnapping or arson is just going to be turned out under this law? No way. 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 Yeah. way. <laughs> but it's, it, it's just it, it's so far afield from what commonsensical people think, they can't even conceive of it. And unfortunately, not enough of them are paying enough attention to be persuaded, know that this is what is happening. This is what they are proposing. This is what they're doing. And so, I mean, again, I don't know how to do this other than provide 
more examples and tell more stories and provide all the documentation and share the PowerPoints that we get from these school districts and play the comments of school board members and superintendents and hope that people uh, around the region will pick up the ball and run with it. So here's one. Jennifer Lima, this is North Kingston School Committee. She's a school board member in North Kingston, Rhode Island. And now remember, we talked to a mom in South Kingston, Rhode Island, Nicole Salas. She's the mom that is being threatened with suit by the school board for submitting FOIA, I mean, by the uh, by the teachers union, by the teachers union for submitting FOIA requests for uh, information that should be made publicly available without even a FOIA request about her daughter's public school, about the curriculum. <laughs> the union suit her. She's FOIAing. They're, 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 <laughs> they're slow walking it. They're saying it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars to produce the materials you want. It's the curriculum at the government run finance taxpayer finance school where her daughter goes and then the teachers union is threatening suit who the heck do they think they are this is who they think they are Uh jennifer lima is a lunatic member of the north kingston school committee she posted on twitter oh no what violence is defined by the world health organization as the intentional use of physical force or power threatened or actual against oneself another person or against a group or community that either results in or has a high likelihood of resulting in injury, death, psychological harm, maldevelopment, or deprivation. She provides the WHO's definition of violence to say, purposefully misgendering students is an act of violence. Respond accordingly. What does that mean, respond accordingly? That, That sounds like she's inciting violence. Purposefully misgendering. So calling a boy a boy, calling Johnny he is an act of violence, according to the WHO, according to Jennifer Lima on the school board in North Kingston. This is where things are at. The NEA, we mentioned yesterday, I'll mention again, just put out pronoun usage guidance for all of its members. And, of course, it's in the gender affirming. We talked about the case, the Villa Park School District, that is uh, responding to a suit filed by a dad over the gender identity of his son and there's a different disagreement between mom and dad mom wants to affirm dad wants the son to be a son son and treated as such and identified as such and addressed as such and the school district is interceding and saying basically we are in the primary position we know what's best for your child and and here's the position We're gender affirming. If mom and or dad is not, then mom and or dad are done. And Johnny is our kid now. That's in sum what they're saying. That's where it's at in the schools. Ralph and Rantoul, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, good morning. I'll give you an example of how stupid frogs in pots happen. My wife has a conservative Christian female friend, known her her whole life. They were over at our house four or five years ago in conversation. The name of Mike Madigan came up, lifelong Illinois resident, this person. I said, yeah, you know, Mike Madigan. Her response, who's Mike Madigan? Right, right. And, And I said, 
I yeah. surely you're kidding me. Or let me look at the moisture. Did you just come out from under a rock someplace? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that. This 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 is a just a typical example of the gross ignorance. The people going along, living like little worker bees at level twelve in the hive, and they don't even know that they're producing honey for the queen. That's just how detached and ignorant most people are. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the call. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess that's true. It's hard to argue with that based on what we see and based on sort of anecdotes like that. The flip side is, you know, I think life is difficult and a lot of people uh, struggle to, you know, make it through the day and abide all their responsibilities. I'm not being pejorative. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's a challenge if you're You've got a lot of balls in the air and so forth, uh, and you want to keep them. You want to keep juggling them. I get it, but but at some point you say, well, of course I have an interest in my kid. Well, you know, did you know this about the interest your school has in your kid versus your interest in your kid? And I do mean versus. You know, did you know this about your personal safety and your family safety in this community? And so I. You know, the combination of mass marketing relentlessly as well as more brand ambassadors for sanity, I I don't know another way to do it. I I don't know another way to get to people. They they get to people. There's no magic to it. They have sort of uh, innate advantages with manpower because mainly of the public sector unions and to some extent the trades too. But, um, you know, we need to... People, we, we need to activate people. We need people to activate themselves. We need to have the resources to mass market as well as hyper-target. And we need to be as relentless about it as they are. And, I, I, you know, again, what better beta test coming out of the disappointment of November 8th than some of these school board races, particularly in the suburbs and particularly in districts where the school boards and the superintendents and the teachers union have so vastly overreached that they are in a significant, that they are uh, extolling positions that are decidedly the minority position in the community. Can you leverage that to change the leadership, to change the culture? And by the way, you know, get control of the schools for the purposes of getting the schools back into education and instilling a love of learning in children rather than this political indoctrination to turn all your kids into operatives, uh, then you start to also be able to impact races up the food chain, state legislative, congressional, statewide. I I think that's the way it's got to be, and it's a journey given where Illinois is now, but it should start with the school boards. Dan, uh, Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Did you catch that uh, report on Downers Grove on CBS? 
CBS Local because CBS National is too focused on this authentication of Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah, what this is breaking story? What is yesterday. this laptop you speak of? Uh, uh, oh, it's great. No, uh, I did down, not see what's going on. Downers Grove uh, is having uh, trouble in and around the library. A heated night inside of this library. Downers Grove residents showing up by the dozens to bring these concerns to the library board, telling them they don't feel safe due to crimes they say have been committed inside and near the facility. These concerns amplified as some of them submitted a Freedom of Information Act requesting incident reports at the library. They say many of them involve the homeless population and are calling on the staff to crack down on crime and involve police. However, others showed up in support of the library board, saying it's not the responsibility of staff. Offenses listed included, but not limited to, physical assault on a patron, shoving an employee, explicit language, interfering with another person's comfort or safety, drunk and disorderly conduct, indecent exposure, but doesn't the library have an obligation to its patrons to make sure the safe the space is as safe as possible. Part of the problem is that we have um, populations that need a lot of help, that are getting the help, and, the, and, and librarians and people who work at the library aren't qualified to give them that help. Well, that's fair enough, but uh, you better buckle down there, residents of Sean Castonville, because uh, if they've got to empty the jail in DuPage County on Jan 1 under Pritzker's purge law, you ain't seen nothing yet around the library. Oh, okay, I'm really, I thought this had something to do with the drag queen bingo. No, this is about... Get, this is about homeless people that are taking over the library and exposing themselves to people? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know that it's... Like it. I don't know that it's limited to homeless people. That's maybe exacerbating it. But, uh, and, and DuPage County doesn't treat habitual criminals the way that Cook County does when it comes to prosecution. Um, but that's going to change under Pritzker's Purge Law, which has been signed into law. Yes, it's being litigated, but it will take effect Jan 1 unless the courts intercede because we know the General Assembly won't. So get ready, DuPage County. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, residents feel unsafe due to crime committed at and near the facility. When... Uh, what we talked about New York's experience with their bail reform under Cuomo and de Blasio and the early reports are not surprisingly more people released on their own recognizance, more crimes committed in New York state by people who were uh, given a, a walk pending trial. Who should, yeah, people who should have been behind bars. So that's instructive for us. Something else that's instructive for us uh, who don't live in Cook County is to look at the impact that Judge Chief Judge Tim Evans's reform by fiat five years ago has had in Cook County and Cook County safety. Most notable in Chicago, but certainly not limited to Chicago when you talk about endemic crime. And as I say, as we said for months and months leading up to the election, um, don't listen to me. Listen to 100 of 102 state prosecutors, county prosecutors in Illinois. Listen to all the county sheriffs. Listen to suburban police chiefs. Or don't. But for more on uh, what a look at Tim Evans's impact on no cash bail had on 
Law and Order in Cook County. We're pleased to be joined by Professor John Paul Wright, who's a professor at the School of Criminal Justice at the University of Cincinnati, the Bearcats. Uh, he has written a report on just this topic. John Paul Wright, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning. Thank you. So uh, when in 2017, when Tim Evans uh, basically did at the local level what now has been codified into law at the state level, which is the presumption of release for criminal defendants, what happened? What happened with respect to the distribution of bail and the incidents of crime? Well, I, I think it's fair to say that um, more people were let out. More people were let out without posting uh, the typical bail levels that they, they would have. So the amount of money um, that, that folks had to pay went down uh, dramatically, which was the plan. A number of people were let out who otherwise would not have also been let out. I think that, too, was the plan. And in some ways, that's that's good for some uh, defendants uh, of, of, of criminal trials in Chicago. In other ways, it was bad uh, for the people of Chicago in the sense that um, releasing more people and, ex- and especially releasing more high-risk people almost immediately, uh, it caused a tremendous amount of problems. Well, so who are the detainees who are unable to make bail? Well, this turns out to be a fairly difficult question to answer because it's, it's sometimes difficult to understand the totality of circumstances of why someone's in jail because jails are used for a variety of reasons to hold people right. pending trials, one of them, to hold them for warrants in other places, another. Uh, but if you listen to the bail reform folks, they, they paint this picture that you know, it's only the poor who can't make bail, and they're in there typically for, you know, ridiculously silly crimes, and, and they stay there for years. And it's it's certainly true that that can happen. There are people who slip through the cracks, people who cannot afford even the most minimal of, of bail, who've committed crimes that may not be what we, you know, that, for, uh, that we want jailed. On the other hand, they are a very small minority, uh, compared to all people who who would go through the bail system, so the image of of people just languishing in jail uh, for no other reason that they cannot afford bail or could not afford in bail right, is really been exaggerated. You have to remember that j- uh, that judges would typically assign very high bails to people who were very dangerous, or to people who had committed you know sort of grossly um, <clears throat> ghastly types of crimes. So there were reasons, why, other reasons, too, why people could not make bail. Well, and, and under Evans, the, uh, the number of individuals given I-bonds being released on their own recognizance versus C and D bonds having to pay 10 percent of bail or the full bail that's set to get out, right. um, those numbers change dramatically. And so you just have a lot more people that are ROR'd and right. thus a lot more people who've committed crimes and go on to commit other crimes while they're out. It's not everybody, but it's it's preventable crimes, which is so unnerving. We see the same thing in Chicago with respect to the electronic monitoring program. And you've got an outlet right. here, CWBChicago.com, that's been tracking the number of people who've attempted to kill or killed somebody while awaiting fel- felony trial on the electronic monitoring program. Preventable crimes, if you detained uh, people accused of felonies, 
for, uh, if you held them over for trial. And 19 are dead. Just this year. Yeah, that, that's true. And we, and we saw the same thing in New York, right? That is the, gen, the same general pattern. And that is if you release more people, especially if you release them quickly. You have to remember, most people, most people get out of jail pre-trial, okay? Um, but if you release people, you release them quickly, especially as you start to release more high-risk individuals, uh, their behavior, their criminal behavior doesn't just stop. Uh, in, in certain instances, the, the quick, you know, the quick release out of jail, the, the revolving door of justice, if you want to call it that, really is revolving, and they just continue to go out and to commit crime. Yeah, I mean, right. This 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 idea that somebody is chastened and and immediately goes to turn their life around because they mm-hmm. were caught when. So many of these individuals are being arrested for the fifth, the tenth, the twentieth, the hundredth time. Right. Yeah, it's sort of a pipe dream to think that they'll just stop, right? And I think this this is one of the areas where uh, bail reformers have been a bit naive about, right? Uh, they 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 tend to define fairness, if you will, solely um, based upon what they see as right or wrong with how we treat criminal defendants. And they tend to exclude public safety concerns. You see this, I think, too, with the Safety Act in, in Illinois that you mentioned uh, at the start of this, that uh, public safety sort of takes a back seat to this idea of fairness towards criminal defendants. Well, right. Uh, our, our friend Charles Thomas, who's a longtime ABC7 political reporter in Chicago and is a black gentleman, you know, he in, in response to all this race equity talk when it comes to uh, when it comes to the criminal justice system, he says, look, it's very simple. There's criminals and there's victims. It, this is about criminals and this is about victims. It's about justice for victims and safety for the general law-abiding public. And it's about punishing criminals commensurate with the crimes they've committed. It's that simple. That's how it should be. That's not how it is, but that's how it should be. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. You know, it's about holding people uh, who, have, who are dangerous right, and preventing them from continuing to act uh, in ways that violate rights and uh, lives of other people, right, pre-trial if necessary, um, and, and certainly jailing them uh, depending on the seriousness of their crime and their criminal history. It, it really is kind of simple, right? We, we want the guilty punished, we want the innocent set free, and we want to be able to uh, regulate the volume of crime uh, in our cities. So think, yeah. this is, yeah, this turned into something of a, uh, with the reform movement especially, right, some of the reforms, not all of them, some of the reforms have, have jeopardized public safety and, and bail reform. And I think Judge Evans um, may have said something to the effect that, look, any, any type of reform is, is necessarily going to have some type of impact, perhaps some type of impact on public safety. But I think they, they then just go and dismiss it. So, for example, in bail reform and talking to people, they said, well, you know, the majority of crime committed by people out on bail are misdemeanors, and it's not all that serious. And, and yeah, someone might lose their life, but, you know, it's, it's better that, <laughs> it's better yeah. that uh, you know, the, the, these people get to save all the money and so on and so forth. Well, you know, these are concerns easily dismissed from a distance. It's, it's, it's not it's, your life. Well, right. It's just it's sort of, yeah, so right. It's, it's not it's, me. Wait, this is sort of like mm-hmm. a, a 21st century spin on, you know, better 
uh, a thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man being in prison. Better a thousand. Wait, better a thousand people be killed than one guilty man go free. I mean, is that where is that where we are now? <laughs> well, I, I think we're at this point where where reformers generally, and and, and I, I I don't want to paint too broad of a brush. There are some good people trying to do good reform efforts, but. But there is this element in the reform movement that is about abolition. It's about you know abolition of the police, abolition of jails, abolition of yeah. prisons, the abolition of accountability amongst criminal offenders and so forth. And and, and that that vein of of uh, reform effort, I think, is actually very dangerous. And we've seen it with the defund the police movement, uh, where where crime has just shot up in these areas where they've attempted to actually defund the police or defang them. Uh, well, that, 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 is it, that's mm-hmm. part of that, that's an important part of it. I mean, there's also sort of a blind eye, uh, generally speaking, including in academia, uh, toward the the ideological component here. I mean, Tim Evans, the chief judge in Cook County, to our chagrin, I mean, he, he has said he doesn't believe people under the age of 25 have the uh, the the the. Mental acuity, or well, the, the frontal lobe hasn't formed enough they, so that they can't make decisions. They don't. They don't have the mens rea to commit crimes. They can't. Essentially, they can't be held to account for crimes they commit under twenty-five. Well, if you don't hold people under twenty-five for committing crimes, then you're going to have a lot of under twenty-five predators on the streets. That's sort of wheelhouse for the age group that commits crimes. Yes, it is, and you know, I know exactly sort of where this. Uh, line of thought comes from and the arguments that are made around it, I, I think they're, they're very much overstated. I mean, let's, let's, let's remember, right, that it was 18, 19, 20-year-old uh, young men, right, who fought World War II, who fought Vietnam. Right. So, so they're old enough to be responsible to save our way of, of life, uh, but somehow they don't know the, the most basic fundamental rules of society. I mean, we're really talking about kindergarten rules. Don't hurt other people and don't right. take their stuff. Right? These are kindergarten-level expectations. And do you think all eyes are going to be on Illinois come January 1st when it goes into effect? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. I, I think uh, barring any uh, intervention by the courts or, or any judicial intervention, it's going to be very, very uh, interesting to see what happens. Uh, the Safety Act is currently written provisions about uh, bail and, and how long you can hold somebody and the legal criteria uh, to to detain people. Uh, boy, it, it, it is scary. Uh, the uh, prosecutor in Will County, suburban Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big collar county, as I'm sure you know, um, Jim Glasgow, who's a Democrat, called the Safety Act the most lenient criminal law in America. Is that accurate? Uh I'm, I'm not sure it's the most lenient. I mean, we've we've got some other competitors out there, but it, I think my concern with the Safety Act and some of those provisions is that it will seriously compromise the safety of uh, citizens of Illinois, and that 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 shouldn't be something that should be political, right? We used to agree that criminals had to be punished; they had to be apprehended, they had to be brought before before justice and they had to be punished, right? We could debate about the length of, of punishment or type of punishment, but, but the basics on, on this, right, that, that we apprehend the bad people when we lock them up if necessary, and yes, you can try to rehabilitate them and all of that stuff, but, but these used to be agreed upon foundations, and, and today 
those foundations have cracked, and we're starting to see these willful, um, highly ideological responses to, to crime and criminal conduct that really paint criminals as the victims and paint innocent uh, citizens as sort of an oppressive caste. He is Professor John Paul Wright, professor at the School of Criminal Justice at the University of Cincinnati. His report uh, that was put out by the Manhattan Institute, Bail Reform in Chicago, Unsolving Problems in Public Safety and Court Financing. Professor Wright, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between 5 and 9 in the morning than you guys. On AM 560, The Answer. Insert Democrat Socialist here. Runs the Democratic House law for 30 plus years of running. He's promising this and he's stealing that. Where can you get that kind of money? He's using your house like his own piggy bank, gang, 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 gang. You ought to know by now. You can pay off your house here in Illinois. You can never keep up with the taxes. Oh, how it's always been the plan. To have a taxpayer pay, no doubt. Not a matter of if anymore, but when. You're moving out. When you're moving out. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. That news means it's time for our weekly confab with Ted Dabrowski, President of WirePoints, WirePoints.org, all things Illinois policy related. But first, we have some breaking news, Amy. What? CBS News, in a stunning reversal, is preparing to call the 1948 presidential race for Harry Truman. <laughs> so don't believe that Tribune headline. Oh, right. Harry Truman declared... The victor in the 1948 presidential race, according to CBS News. Just wanted to pass that along. Thank you. I could sleep better tonight. Uh, in local news, uh, this is massive. Oh, I've got something, too. Yes. Uh, Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth have secured $3 million mm-hmm. for the Illinois State Board of Education so that the ISPE can create innovative assessments for Spanish-language art students in grades 9 and 10. Wow! $3 million for K-12 through education. That will be a real nice compliment to the $10 billion that we spend on K-12 through education. And just from at the state level, that doesn't include local property taxes, $10 billion. From the state budget that we spent at K-12, $3 million. $3 and I'm sorry, what do we get for our $10 billion? Not, excuse me, $10 billion and $3 million. What do we get in terms of performance? Lackluster performance. Lackluster. Worst, per, worst grades world wall. Ted Dabrowski. Worst ever. Ted Dabrowski, thanks for joining us as always. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. Yeah, the, the total number is $38 billion when you add up the state, federal, and local. So it's a massive number. So $3 million. Uh, that ain't going to do it, I don't think. But uh, You don't think you know, that's a game changer? Also, yeah. You know, and the thing is, is they're trying to devise ways of trying to figure out how to, how to make the scores go higher by changing the test, not teaching them to be able to do the proper reading and the proper math. And that's, that's the whole game here, uh, just ways to deflect from, from the horrible results. Uh, I got another question for you. I, this hasn't moved at the city level yet. I'm hoping it does, though. Uh, there's Lightfoot and... Uh, Half of the city council is opposed to this, but 
the Democrat socialists want it, and we know in Chicago ultimately they get what they want, and I sure hope they do. The Bring Home Chicago campaign that was launched last year to raise taxes on properties worth more than a million dollars in Illinois, that's a dwindling amount of properties, um, to increase the uh, transfer fees. Uh, so, for example, uh, on, on homes worth uh, and, and commercial property worth more than a million dollars. So, for example, uh, the Bring Home Chicago proposal would more than triple the tax of $3.75 per $500 of sale value to $13.25 per $500 for real estate transactions of more than a million dollars. And what that would do, that this, again, you know, the um, the the... the silliness, the uh, falsity of segregated funds, segregate those funds, a tripling of the tax on real estate transactions for homes and commercial properties more than a million, segregate those funds to combat homelessness. What do you think? Well, this is the other, you know, Evanston already did a, a progressive type version of that, if it was, if I remember right, last year. And yeah, this is just another way to try to figure out how to chase out more, uh, more of the the taxpayers, and you got to remember the wealthiest, those are the ones with the big houses. Uh, I, guess, I guess it's a way to kind of trap them in so that they don't sell because the taxes will be too high. But, uh, you know, it's, it's another failed attempt by by them to raise revenues in that way rather than, than, than having massive growth and removing barriers and lowering taxes and making it more affordable for, for companies to operate. They're making it more expensive, and I guess this is just a continuous undoing of what's happening in Chicago. You just add up all the, the uh, you know, universal basic income, which is more taxation, you start adding these kind of things to to fund, uh, you know, all the different programs they want to fund. It, it's a, it's a death spiral. I mean, what else can you say? And uh, yeah, that's it. I gotta tell you, we just got a text message from someone because we we're talking about Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, you know, um, on a ancillary issue. But this is important. Yeah, uh, do you think they the Lynch Foundation has asked Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin to give back that FTX campaign funds that they were given? What about and, Sean Caston? What about Chewy Garcia? Yeah, and they wanted to Dems want or they want them to donate to the charity for the Lynch Foundation. No response. Suddenly, super veteran Tammy has lockjaw. What phonies? Do you think that they should give them money back? Yeah, they're, they're kind of trapped, right? Do they have in a, to? In a really ugly deal. Yeah, they're trapped in an ugly deal, and they should. I, it's um, you know, it's hard for me to to say what they should do. Um, but you know, when I think about Duckworth and, and Durbin, just to kind of tie back to the other education piece uh, i'd love to hear durbin and duckworth complain about the current results in in chicago schools you know the uh, when the, when they're talking about blacks and latinos you know it's one out of every 10 blacks in all of illinois that can read at grade level and it's two out of every 10 latinos who can read at grade level and so yeah maybe they should take some of that ftx money and give it back to, to you know to schools as well but you know they're not going to do that uh, Triple Threat has a series of new commercials out uh, uh, documenting all that she's delivered for the city, including thousands of jobs. Um, Pritzker what? said something similar, too, about how Illinois is a jobs magnet, um, which is strange because um, I read from your analysis that Illinois still uh, labors under <laughs> labors under the highest unemployment rate in the country. So we're. We're generating jobs, but we can't seem to get to 49th in employment in the country. Yeah, I think, you know, this is what continues to, to he continues to get away with it. Uh, these comments about you know that the economy's back, Illinois's back, 
you look at the unemployment rate, now it is low relative to history because you know, all of the U.S. unemployment rate is low, uh, but we're the worst in the country, last place. And some people tried to push back against us for saying that, saying, oh, come on, you know, it's okay. And I'm like, no, the last place is not good, right? You don't want to be 4.6% unemployment rate when, when, in, when uh, Indiana or whichever one of these is 2.6%. You know, 2% percentage points lower. That's uh, Missouri, I meant. And, um, and so then, you know, people said, well, at least Pritchard's grown the employment in Illinois in, in, in his tenure. We're like, no, actually, we've shrunk in employment. So we have fewer jobs today than when Governor Pritchard took over. Right. And we got fewer jobs today than 20 years ago. We are the third worst in the country in creating jobs when it comes to creating employment. That's the bottom wait, line. 20 wait, wait, years wait. in a row. We have fewer jobs in 2022 in Illinois than we had in 2002? That's right. right. To, to be precise, in 2000. So we have, a, we have um, 100,000 100, fewer jobs today than we did 20 years ago. And compare that to, you know, compare that to like Florida or Texas, you know, they got 3 million jobs, 4 million more jobs than today. Even Indiana, for example, has 250,000 more jobs today than they did 20 years ago. Um, we're one of three states. We're the third worst state in the country. How about that? So I guess that's the old uh, aphorism that if you're not growing, you're dying. Since we're not growing, people are fleeing. We're dying. We're dying economically. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't grow an economy if you don't have if you don't have new people. I mean, if you're, you people. If you're a caterpillar, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, well, if you're a caterpillar, if you're you know if you're, you're if you're a company and you want to invest marginal dollars, invest in new plants, build build out your distribution network or your 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 retail network, you're going to go to Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Georgia. I mean, all those states are growing tremendously and you're going to reduce your investment or or get out of illinois at some point i mean we're still the sixth largest state so you have to be in illinois but the point is is that you don't put your marginal investment in a place that's shrinking you put it in a place that's growing where, where the economy is growing where incomes are growing jobs are growing and we're the opposite and you know pritzker's managed to to sell something that's not true and that you know illinois is coming back when when in fact it's not all right so ted Tabrowski, what's the latest with the safety act i know they're going to have a veto session uh, and what do you expect to come of it? What changes yeah, are going to be I, made, allegedly? To me, yeah, to me, I mean, the only thing that they really will try to clear up, I think, is, is this January 1st date, because they don't like the, the optics of, of the public hearing that, you know, there are a lot of people that are going to be released uh, on January 1st in, from a lot of jails if, if they don't really know what the rules are. So my guess is they'll try to clarify that. But otherwise, you, you, I mean, you can hear it in, in a lot of the, the talk is that, you know, they, they, they swept they, they got supermajority. They got a bigger supermajority in the House. Why give the Republicans or why forget Republicans? Why give the people anything? Uh, they've got the power and uh, they're going to they're going to keep the safety act the way they have it you know, primarily because that's what they wanted. They probably want more than what they have. But uh, don't expect anything that's uh, that's good for the public right now. Uh, is there anything that we should expect from the mayor's race? All the candidates from any and all of the candidates. It, in terms of good public policy, anybody advancing anything that is intriguing to you? I think the only well, the one thing that I've heard that and 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 uh, you know Paul Dallas has been consistent on it is school choice, and uh, you know it's really tough to take on the unions in Chicago, and you know I'm I'm surprised that he's done as much as he's done in terms of talking about about their negative impacts at CPS, um, the, the the pain that children are feeling, uh, you know. How, how more kids are getting killed on the, on the streets. So he's, he's been a big advocate of, of the kids. And so uh, to the extent that he can stay strong on school choice, I mean, when you look at all the data and when you look at, when you look at the crime data, when you look at 
at the unemployment rate. You know, Chicago had, well, I don't know what the latest numbers are, but just recently they had 14% unemployment rate for blacks. Um, you know, Vallis talking about school choice is probably the most positive thing I've heard in a while. I don't know if he can carry that. I don't know where, you know, where he'll be in the, in the election, but, you know, if he, if he could spread a little bit of that, that would be fantastic because it's, uh, it's one of the saving things for Chicago, not, not just for the schools and not just for the kids, but I don't think you can have a, a thriving Chicago if we don't do something about CPS. More and more people leave, and not, and not just the wealthy. They, you know, a lot of them have already left the CPS. Yeah. We're talking about the black and Latino families. They'll continue to leave, and they've been doing that, right? They've, they've lost 100,000 uh, students in the last 20 years. So uh, the trend will continue. So I think that's the one intriguing, I think, interesting uh, piece of policy I've heard, uh, in addition to some of the, you know, some of the you know, be tough on crime, which Vallis has also done, but so have others. What is the um the with the passage of the the so-called workers rights amendment what is the um sort of immediate impact people will see of the passage of that measure Well I, I think you know we're not going to see it for a little bit but you can bet that every single union in Illinois now is emboldened to first number 1 get the biggest salary hike they can get to cover inflation you know most people in the private sector can't do much about about inflation except for pay higher prices uh, we've seen real wages, you know, wages adjusted for inflation. They've gone down across the country. I'm sure Illinois is the same. But you can bet that every single union is going to say, we want make sure you cover us for the inflation losses, and you're going to see massive increases in salaries in all, the, in all the contracts, one by one. Every school district, every police district, fire district, IMRF, all those are going to go up, and that's number one. And then number two, you know, all that stuff that's gone on in schools where, where, where you know, parents have challenged, well, guess what? They're going to the unions are going to thumb their, their noses or whatever you, whatever the term would be uh, at, at the parents to say, we're going to put in these things, whether it's, you know, sex ed in the classrooms or, you know, in, in earlier grades or you know, a lot of the critical race theory, they're going to try to jam it into contracts. And, and uh, parents won't know what's happening because all these negotiations are done in secret. So uh, those are the two big things I, I think expect to happen. And uh, they, they won't be surprises because we've talked about them, but uh, they're going to happen. He is Ted Dabrowski, president of WirePoints, wirepoints.org, all things Illinois policy-related. Ted, thanks as always. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The answer. Good morning, Dana. Welcome back to the show. I have some breaking news for you. I don't know if it's breaking, but just a, something that has just uh, hit the transom. Dr. Allison Awardy. Our beloved commissioner of Chicago Department of Public Health is going to be getting her sixth booster shot today, the bivalent booster. Uh, and they're inviting everybody to come and watch her get her shot and ask questions about the pandemic and the surge in RSV cases. So that's a, at 9 o'clock today at 63rd and Pulaski. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. That should be, a, should be a big turnout for that. Um, related story, uh, European public health experts are, wa- are warning of another pandemic. Or epidemic, I guess, is what they're calling it. Another epidemic. Oh, not a new variant, something else? Oh, it's, uh, I mean, it's not a big deal because it's not COVID. 
um, but a report, European Ground Shot, addressing mm-hmm. Europe's cancer research challenges, a Lancet Oncology Commission, brought together a wide range of patient, scientific, and healthcare experts with detailed knowledge of cancer across Europe. And uh, lo and behold, one unintended consequence of the pandemic was the adverse effects that the rapid repurposing of healthcare services and national lockdowns had on cancer services, cancer research, and on patients with cancer. In uh, Lancet Oncology Journal, quote, to emphasize the scale of this problem, we estimate that about one million cancer diagnoses may have been missed across Europe and about 100 million screenings. I believe it. Where I get my mammograms just alone at that one location. 7,000 mammogram appointments were canceled, and not and most of them were not rescheduled. Well, here's what we know about, um, you know, potential correlate, uh, you know, correlative causes of cancer. Um, obesity, exposure to the sun. So, I mean, let's uh, lock down the fast food joints. Let's ban smoking, ban cigarettes. Um, probably lock people in their homes to make sure they don't go out and smoke. And blot out the sun. I mean, that's the approach we took with COVID. Why shouldn't we take it with cancer, right? I mean, it seems seems logical. This is how we do things now, isn't it? Yeah, imagine that. Who could have predicted that? Oh, a lot of people, including our next guest, Jeff Tucker. Jeff Tucker is the founder and president of the Brownstone Institute and author of Liberty or Lockdown. Jeffrey A., thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Sounds my pleasure, as always. Yeah, who, uh, who could have predicted... Uh, the uh, quote-unquote unintended consequences of things like 100 million cancer screenings missed and perhaps a million cancer diagnoses missed in Europe. Yeah, well, you know, that's, this, it drives you crazy, right? And we're writing this stuff back. Well, I mean, look, I, I first wrote about this in January of 2020. Don't lock down. Don't restrict travel. Don't quarantine people. Don't use government measures to fix uh, what is ultimately individual health problems. But, of course, we did it anyway, and then as it was going on, I read an article in Brownstone the other day. I forget the title. It's something like, What We Knew in the Beginning. And it links to something like 100 prominent sources that were screaming throughout all of February and March of 2020. All the things that, that did happen predicted that everybody was telling us this would happen. Substance abuse, mis- cancer screenings. Uh, 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 the same spread is only going to, if it works, is only going to make it worse in the end. It's going to degrade our immune systems and so on and so on. Uh, just, uh, you know, so it's infuriating. And the more I look at this, and you, you, the two of you ask this question every day, like, why did this happen? And I feel like we're getting closer and closer to an answer. But the answer is unsatisfying, in a way. And I think the answer is that it was a racket. Yep. Well, then what country got it right? Uh, Sweden uh, did pretty well. At least initially, they, they kind of screwed up the nursing home situation a little bit, and that accounts for sort of implausibly high deaths at the very beginning, but then they got their act together, and now they have uh, uh, fewer excess deaths than almost any country in the world, and also no educational disruptions, and life went on normally, and their economy's in good shape, and yeah, to be Swedish today, right? Well, yeah, I mean, um, uh, so you, we're, we're talking about this like it's past tense, but it's present tense. I mean, Notre, colleges from Notre Dame to Yale are mandating the bivalent booster for kids to come back to school and be able to go to class in person. 
So well, I mean, you know, you would call uh, it. Our, it was and, and, and oh, by the way, at Yale too. I, I just love this wrinkle. I mean, so the inanity continues. So the kids have to get it, but the professorate and the administrators do not. Of course not. Yeah. Right. So what? You know. So, right. So it's themed to theater, and it is in some sense. However, you are injecting these poor kids with a with a potion that they don't need, don't want, and which in that very age group has been shown to cause uh, myocarditis at a much higher rate than you could ever get from COVID. So in other words, the risk of health problems from the vaccine, and by the way, I'm not saying anything controversial here, all right? This is known, known. The risk of getting the vaccine is higher than it is from getting COVID. And for a, for a population that we also know is not at any risk for medically significant uh, outcomes from COVID. So we keep doing this. And the questions, you know, that I keep asking myself is why? Why? And it makes no sense until you start following the money trail. And that's when it gets uh, really creepy. That's what I've been doing a lot of recently. And I feel a little bit stupid for having always thought that this was intellectual error at work, that we've had a mistake in public health. People have not been informed of the dangers of these kinds of notions and so on. So once you look at the money trail, it kind of... Explain everything. Well, well take talk, us, talk, yeah, talk about the money trail, trail, the connection specifically to FTX, since that's uh, the meltdown ah. in the news. <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, where did we get? $32 billion company that was devoted to altruism. So, they make money in order to give money away. And they just told everybody, we've got a billion dollars and we're going to dedicate it to pandemic planning and the industry associated with that. And they threw around lots of money. Mostly they threw around a ton of promises. But it compromised sciences, uh, scientists all over the country and the world. So this, this extends from UK all the way to uh, Stanford University and Johns Hopkins University and uh, Columbia University and the University of Virginia and so on and so on it goes. And the, world, the word went out apparently uh, sometime in early 21 that everybody just needs to do the dance and then FTX is going to sludge you with millions of dollars. And so they picked up a lot of funding for uh, the Gates Foundation sort of kicked things off in 2020 and, and earlier. And suddenly FTX is involved. Now, why is it that people believe that some magic bean factor in the Bahamas was going to give them millions it, yeah, it just shows you, uh, to me it's really an illustration of a, a bit of a moral problem, how stupid money makes people, or even the prospect of money, you know? Well, uh, to, to be fair, FTX did give away everybody's money. <laughs> well, they did, they did. And, and it's not clear how much is even left. I, I guess, I guess uh, there's some talk about $650 million out of six. Out of thirty-two billion is left, but but a lot of that is in assets that are declining now quickly in value because don't forget FTX had invested in a lot of these other phony baloney uh, tokens, and uh, you know that were riding high at two three hundred dollars per unit, which are now down to you know ten and seven and nine, and so on. So you know the 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 assets are declining in value. So speak. yeah, the money's all gone. I mean, basically, the money is gone. Uh, uh, all we really have is is, 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 is,
get this, his parents, who law professors at Stanford University, right. uh, bought $21 million of real estate in the Bahamas last year. Well, uh, hopefully the new CEO will uh, uh, liquidate those assets as part of the, trying to settle uh, for, you know, pennies or fraction of pennies on the dollar with some of the investors that are suing. But um, the funny money from the Biden administration, however, did not go away. And so, again, present tense, we are still in a, a national emergency, according to the administration. Yeah, this is the thing. The, the reason the, the, the emergency declaration continues is because the scam is too good. You know, they... They, this is the greatest little little uh, racket for the ruling class. Uh, yeah, let's just put it bluntly, ever, you know? And so why turn it off? You know, it, and also it speaks to my naivety and probably yours that we thought that humanity would wake up and say, oh, this is how we need to stop this nonsense. Well, yeah, if it weren't, if the money weren't flowing, if they weren't, yeah, but there was, there was more than $10 trillion in transfer payments coming from the federal government new <clears throat> uh, between the, the declaration of the pandemic and today. I mean, uh, yeah. well, t- talk about funny funds. I mean, we're, I'm reading right now, this just released, we're getting another round of relief is being offered for Chicago families affected by COVID. This one's called 2022 Chicago Resiliency 2.0. Uh, it's direct cash assistance program to give help to Chicagoans who were left out of COVID stimulus the first time around. Oh, brother. See, this is a great chance. It's <laughs> ever going to end. It's going to absolutely bankrupt us. Well, I say it, it is. It has bankrupted us, right? And we're starting to... So the important thing about the times in which we're living, I'm not sure what you're feeling about this is, but I have a sense the last week or so that everything is unraveling. All the bubbles and big tech, the bubbles and and pandemic philanthropy, you know, uh, the 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 at bubble with the change in Federal Reserve policy. It's like it's like reality is presenting itself in a very wicked way right now, and you see these big tech platforms you know pulling back preposterous expansions as they did over the last few years. I mean, the fact. The Musk can walk into Twitter and fire, you know, whatever, eight out of ten employees, four out of five employees, and the platform works better than ever. What does that tell you? And then uh, uh, late yesterday, Amazon announced that it's getting rid of its uh, spy tool called uh, Alexa, which you put in your home, <laughs> and they'll listen to everything you say, um, because it's losing, and these numbers, I can't even conceive of them, $10 billion a year. Mm-hmm. So they're basically... Yeah, so we're seeing reality present itself. I mean, it feels to me like we're living in the great meltdown of the great lie. That's what it feels like to me right now. Stein's Law, if something can't go on, it won't. Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute, author of Liberty or Lockdown. Jeffrey Tucker, thanks as always. My pleasure. Thank you, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. If you're talking about it. Dan and Amy are talking about it. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We're learning more about uh, the family and family life of the man charged with the murders and shootings of at uh, Club Q in Colorado Springs. But before we get to that, uh, it's always good 
and we always do, recognize people who perform heroically in a crisis situation, as so many people have when these mass shootings have occurred. And we had uh, two individuals who performed heroically to tackle the shooter at that nightclub to prevent uh, more death and carnage. One of them, an Army veteran. Yeah, 15-year Army veteran, Richard Fierro. He was there with his wife, his daughter, and her boyfriend. Her boyfriend, sadly, was one of the five who was murdered. And uh, he jumped into action right away. And this guy was there, and I saw the ACU pattern uh, flag fest. And for me, that was like, there's a handle. I'm getting it. So I ran across the room, grabbed the handle, pulled him down, and then started to, uh, well, actually, I think I went for his gun with him. His rifle flew in front of him. Um, and the young man that tried to jump in there with me, um, he, he, we both either pulled him down or whatever, but he ended up at his head uh, and right next to the AR. And then with the AR, he, we, I told him, push the AR, get the AR away from him. The kid pushed the AR. I, I don't know what his name was. Um, and then I, I proceeded to take his other weapon, the pistol, and then just start hitting him at where I could, but the armor's in the way. And I just started, I found a crease in his, between his, his armor and his head, and I just started wailing away wow. uh, with his gun. Um, and then I told the kid in front of me, kick him, keep kicking him. And we were, I was, I was guiding him. I was telling people, call 911, call 911. I brought him down. I, I, <laughs> I was in mode. I was, I was doing what I did. I do downrange, you know, I train, I trained for this. I don't want to ever do this. I, I didn't even retire because I was just, I was done doing this stuff. It was too much. I mean, it really is fascinating his, his story and, and how he took him down. I'm, yeah, no, it's great. All day. Uh, absolute, uh, absolute hero in that situation. Now, uh, what was the basis of this attack? on these innocent people at this nightclub. Well, uh, for that, we go to NBC senior reporter. She's a reporter, so it's just, just the facts. Uh, Brandy Zadrozzi explains how the club shooting occurred. Yeah, the response is heartbreaking. I mean, it's a group of marginalized, vulnerable people who are um, disproportionately the victims of this, these sort of hate crimes who are just simply saying, please stop, mm. please stop making money and gaining political power on mm. our backs and on, on violence against us. And seemingly the answer from everybody is no, we won't stop that because it's too politically expedient or it makes us too much money and we don't want to or we don't know how. Um, I've been following this since about March and April. We follow, you know, online hate trends, I guess. And since mm -hmm. April and March, really, the LGBT community has been the main focus of this hatred. It starts, it, there is a pipeline. It starts from some smaller accounts online, like libs of TikTok. It moves to the right-wing blogosphere. And then it ends up on Tucker Carlson, or it ends up out of a right-wing politician's mouth. And it's a really dangerous cycle that, that does have real-world consequences. Yeah, so libs of TikTok and Tucker Carlson uh, should be arrested uh, any moment now based on their culpability for what happened at Club Q in Colorado Springs. That's what I understand from NBC News. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by Chadwick Moore, editor-in-chief at Outspoken, contributing editor at Spectator World, and author of So You've Been Sent to Diversity Training, Smiling Through the DEI Apocalypse. Chadwick, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. So uh, should Tucker Carlson, obviously TikTok, the account should be suspended on Twitter again. Uh, and uh, both the uh, uh, 
the woman who runs Libs of TikTok as well as Tucker Carlson should be arrested as, as should be arrested as accomplices, right? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how quick they are to politicize this. I mean, as if they wouldn't be. I mean, you can you can predict it like you can set the clock as soon as you hear about one of the events happening. The left is going to find a way to try to blame uh, mean tweets and mean memes on the internet for it, which of course is not true. Uh, it's so funny they don't they don't, they never go into what exactly those personalities that they highlight do criticize, and it never has anything to do with you know hate against gay people or anything like that. Uh, these groups and these activists really have a hard time moving on from the idea that nobody in America actually really cares about that stuff anymore. And what they are, what they do focus on is, of course, the extreme fringes of uh, of activist groups that that are now openly advocating and uh, it's also the medical establishment for really discussing things like mutilating children in the names of uh, TikTok trends, like, um, you know, being a, a transgender, things like that. And that, uh, and of course, um, you know, bringing children, sexualizing children, like children drag shows, things like this. And no one ever calls for violence, obviously, but they're just highlighting how sick and twisted this is. Something which, by the way, the vast majority of gay people aren't on board with, they don't agree with, and they simply keep quiet about it because they fear backlash of the mob and they think that, you know, they're supposed to be on board with these things when actually they're not. So, of course, they needed to, that's like that reporter you quoted, to start trying to blame right-wing politicians. Uh, you know, they, they, they uh, don't bring up the fact that the majority of Republican voters, 55%, support gay marriage. You've got uh, 12 uh, uh, Republican senators who just voted uh, in favor of um, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, so uh, they, don't, they never want to say what exactly the heinous nefarious things that um, people are critical of, what, what, those, what those actually are. They just want to blame kind of general hatred and, and try to um, uh, uh, yeah. go about it that way. Well, and, and also, <clears throat> what's the standard for hatred uh, with disagreement? So if uh, you're not on board with uh, Universal Basic Income Program for trans people in San Francisco, then you're a hate monger. If you're not on board for men uh, parading themselves, uh, scantily clad men parading themselves in front of uh, kids in the primary grades, then you're a hate monger. That, that's what hate is, just like you're a threat to democracy if you ever voted for Trump. That's exactly right. It's, it's this, once we've identified a group as being special and not only deserving equal treatment but, but, but more uh, rights than, than you have and, and special treatment over equal treatment, then you, are, you cannot criticize anything that, this group is, that members of this group might be advocating for. You can't criticize anything about this group. If you do, we're going to blame mass murders on you and say that your uh, your your views are leading towards genocide and um, and uh, uh, crimes like that happened at this next one. But has but, there been a rise in crime against transgenders and the LGBTQ community? Because I know you know not only was and sadly the gay bar targeted. We don't still don't know why they're still combing through. Investigators are combing through social media and trying to figure out why. But synagogues, churches. And more importantly, schools are targeted much more than anything else. Uh, yeah, and, and look at um, and, pro, and also you know the, the pro-life um, uh, uh, centers that have also been targeted, which you never ever hear about. When it comes to so with, with, with specific groups being targeted, transgender people, for example, number one, hate crime statistics are notoriously unreliable. It's subjective reporting. And uh, and many law enforcement, if, when you see a lot of times the lies and hate crimes, that's because more law enforcement agencies are now reporting them. So before they weren't, now they aren't. When it comes to also hate crimes against transgender people, the vast majority of those crimes 
and sadly, just like crimes against biological women, are, co- are committed by uh, lovers and intimate partners. So that would suggest that they're not being targeted because of hatred against transgender people. Also, when you look at people who are committing those crimes, it's not uh, straight white male Trump supporters, okay? It's by and large black men who commit those crimes against transgender women, the, the murders. And, uh, but you never hear about that. You just hear there's this huge rise. Also, there's something about between 20 and 30, they say, transgender women who are murdered a year. Well, when, you, when you extrapolate the data, the murder rate for transgender women is actually lower per capita than the murder rate of biological women. But you never hear these statistics back up to one another. Whenever a transgender woman is sadly murdered for whatever reason, then it just becomes, you just see these uh, data thought up with an epidemic, epidemic of murder against transgender people, when actually it's no higher than in the general population. And uh, all roads do lead back to Trump. I saw reporting that uh, a relative of the shooter, I, I, maybe his grandfather, yeah, is a, a state, a state uh, legislator and a, a MAGA supporter. I saw a picture of him with a MAGA hat. So because his grandfather is a Trump supporter, well, you do the math, right? One plus one equals two. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one thing we all know is that we are, uh, we are to blame for our, our ancestors' sins. You know, you just have to be of a certain race in the country to know that. And if your ancestor is still alive, well, that makes it even worse, I guess. It must be a part of it. Another thing, too, that we, we forget about is the, the Pulse nightclub shooting uh, in Orlando in 2016 was we now know the club wasn't targeted because it was gay. And we found that out in the, in the uh, trial of his right. wife, the killer's wife. And, you know, I'm guilty of this because I was there reporting on it at the time for a bunch of gay magazines, and we all thought that's why I was targeted. Turns out he just wanted a nightclub, and he tried several that night. And uh, a few looked like they had too, the security was too strong. Uh, but most people still believe that's why it was targeted. That doesn't make it obviously any, any, any better. <laughs> but, uh, but it was something that we were, were told. And then, of course, when it was a, uh, an, a, an Islamic terrorist attack, essentially against Western values, we never heard about that. It was just... Um, uh, you know, there's there's rhetoric from right wing people. That's why this happens. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, you wrote a fun column about uh, the World Cup uh, and and, and uh, soccer coming out of the closet. Do tell. Well, yeah. So you know, Americans have long suspected that soccer might be gay, and it turns out that <laughs> it's true. Oh, don't tell Dan that, that, that you're that is looking for more Chadwick, to hate soccer. Chadwick, that is homophobic. It's very old. Soccer's now living as its authentic self after the American men's team unveiled their crest, <laughs> which they replaced the red stripes with the rainbow flag. Uh, this is, of course, to in a, in a kind of empty gesture to say that we support gay rights while we're giving this country in the Middle East cutter, you know, billions of dollars go to one cost where gay people are put to jail, um, their homosexuality gets criminalized, et cetera, et cetera. The funny thing about this um, new redesigned logo is it was, again, an empty gesture. They basically said, well, we're not going to wear this on our uniforms on the field, but we will have it hanging in our base somewhere. <laughs> so maybe if you're walking around, you might, someone might just see it. I enjoyed this line uh, from your piece. I always thought soccer might be gay since that time I caught soccer trying on my makeup and lip-syncing to <laughs> Donna Summer. Yeah. That, that was, was a tell. Well, that was, that was a tell to you? Off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We thought that we wanted to give soccer... It's come out in its own time, you know what I mean? So we saw that, we thought we'd just, you know, let's talk her, tell us when they're ready, and, and they were ready this year. Um, you know, the thing I observed, we talked about this a bit earlier in the show, the thing I, I'm just uh, bewildered by, 
You know, I remember uh, Artists Against Apartheid and uh, I Ain't Gonna Play Sun City. Where are the artists and the corporations saying, I ain't going to play Doha? Where, where are the corporations uh, uh, writing letters to protect their employees and, and excoriating Qatar and saying, we shouldn't send our teams out in the, in the Western world, not just America, but the entirety of the West? How could, how could uh, the Western nations not stand up and saying, say to FIFA, you can't host the World, Club, World Cup in, in Qatar? The, where, I, I saw the reaction to the All-Star game. Uh, by major league uh, the, the major league baseball pulling the all-star game from georgia and and the boycotting of north carolina when they move legislation to uh, prohibit uh, bo- men from using the girls bathroom and so on and so forth but i i'm not seeing the same reaction from our betters in corporate america and entertainment and wall street and so forth I, i'm not seeing that why am i not seeing that yeah that's exactly right right and even look at um how the ncaa reacts when a state wants to protect women's sports by saying biological men can't compete. We saw it in, in North Dakota, uh, South Dakota, rather, where uh, they, they, they use so much economic power to threaten states from passing laws that say women, biological males can't compete against women's sports, that the state came. And they, they bow down to uh, athletic organizations like the NCAA. These corporations obviously have tons of financial interests in the region, so they're silent about uh, gay rights and women's rights in the Middle East anyway. It's also why uh, you see the, the big bloated LGBT NGOs, such as GLAAD and the Human Rights Campaign, are always silent on this issue. They're completely silent. They'd rather pretend that there's all sorts of hate and oppression happening at home and that Christians and Republicans are the enemy, when in fact there is real oppression that happens in the world. There's horrifying oppression, and it's in the Middle East. But the companies that fund these organizations aren't going to speak up about it. Uh, they're they're pressuring these organizations to not say anything. And well, they don't. They, yeah, they and, capitulate. And I assume, I assume Morgan Freeman will be canceled by Hollywood. No more voice of God roles for Morgan Freeman since he was on site. <laughs> yeah, you would think, right? No, not the case. Uh, and instead, uh, everyone just wants, they, they wish this weren't happening so they wouldn't have a spotlight put on them and ask them to explain their hypocrisy where they pretend to stand up for gay rights or or they want to boycott Florida because Florida says you can't teach five-year-olds about sex in school. Uh, And yet they are completely... And, you know, the media is not going to pressure any of these people to speak about it. Uh, Why would they? They're all all playing for the same team, as it were, and it's um, it's, it's Team Billhawk right now. (laughs) He is Chadwick Moore, editor-in-chief at Outspoken, contributing editor at Spectator World, and author of... So you've been sent to diversity training, smiling through the DEI apocalypse. Chadwick, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is the morning show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM560, The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.